I think yoga, especially um, in the community I teach in, is so heavy on yoga safety for physical safety, but so light on yoga safety for emotional safety. And why are we not pausing and inquiring about the way we teach before we teach? Today is episode 135, and I have my friend and co-teacher, Ashley Platts, on the show. Ashley and I met a few years back in LA when we took Noah Maze's 500-hour teacher training. That's also how we uh, got in contact with Rocky, and that's how that's how the whole little brigade started, really. Um, Ashley's a phenomenal yoga teacher in Los Angeles, and she has been such a beacon of light and hope and voice Um, With everything going around in BLM, she's been very uh, involved. I recently had an incident uh, this past weekend where I was really uh, brought to the, what was brought to the surface was, you know, some of my own insecurities behind um, talks around racism. And uh, I got to live my nightmare in real time. And uh, Ashley and I shared about it. She was actually the one that I called to kind of talk and process the entire situation afterwards. So we get into that. Um, a little bit about the show. Um, I've been huge in the spirit of vulnerability and sharing as things come up and just keeping it real and honest. And so I felt the show was really important to produce um, a lot sooner than uh, it was later. Of course, uh, the show would not happen if it wasn't for your love and your support. So please head over to iTunes and write us a little review. You can leave us a few stars. Don't forget to tell your friends that the show is out there in podcast land. So share it with them. And uh, yeah, you can always support the show as well by heading to dannypomplume.com forward slash support. Leave us a donation. It helps keep the, sh- the show on the air. It helps cover the production cost and all the fun things that go with it. Without further ado, here goes episode 135 with Ashley Platts. Oh my gosh, is this the Ashley Platts? The famous, famous Ashley Platts? I prefer the Ashley Bud. Oh, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> wait, I'm confused. Was that acting? I think that was acting. Are you, wait, are you acting right now or is this real? I'm okay. I'm gonna turn it off, so now it's real. Okay, great, cool. Hi, Ashley. <laughs> Hi, Danny. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. You know, talking to you from a, a tight little closet in my house, so that you know I can hear you. It's very exciting in quarantine. I love that you. I love that you're back in the closet. I'm back in the closet. You know, it took it took a pandemic, but uh, but I'm back. <laughs> get out of the closet, girl. Get out of the closet. <laughs> get me out. That's so funny. <laughs> I know. I sat down in the closet and I literally was like, "Well, this is full circle." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trigger. Trigger. That's funny. Oh, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad I finally got you on the show, Ash, because I know I've been I've been talking about getting you on the show for a little bit, and um, I haven't been able to. And we've both, it's just been it's it's felt like it's been different timing on on both our sides. Yeah. Um, and it almost wasn't really sure, like, well, what what was I going to bring you on the show for and whatnot, and then. Yeah. You know, everything kind of just fell into the right place at the right time. And so I'm, I'm really excited to have you on the show to share and talk about what we're going to get into today. Absolutely. I'm so excited. So I want to kick off by by saying that, one, you have been very passionate about Black Lives Matter. You have been very outspoken about Black Lives Matter. And you are one of the people that from an outsider's perspective as a yoga teacher 
you know, um, I see you putting in the work. And what I mean by that is like, I, I see you showing up and, you know, I see you in allyship and I see you speaking up and I see you provoking in the best way possible to getting, you know, people to think critically. And, um, it's been very cool to just see that because I didn't, I never knew that side of you. You know, I took training with you and we hung out, we became friends there, but that's not really, it wasn't a side of Ashley that I had known. Um, and so as everything, you know, has come forth and, you know, people have shown up and some people haven't shown up, you've really, um, in my eyes have, have been an inspiration for, for me to watch my growth and to also put in my work. So, I mean, one, thanks for that. And two, thank you. Thank you for yeah, doing it. <laughs> yeah. It's hard, but you know, you know, Oh yeah. um, um, two, it's just, uh, it's, it's really cool to see you, um, to have a voice and really step into it. And I guess, you know, I want to hear where you're at with it um, today, you know, because today is different than yesterday and tomorrow. Mm. Like, where, where are you at with it today? Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a great question because I would say that, um, you know, first of all, I am not an expert. I am, for those who cannot see me, a white female who is a yoga teacher. Oh my God, what? Shocking. <laughs> saw that coming. A white liberal yoga teacher. What? Right? I am not an expert. I don't pretend to be an expert in yoga or in um, the, in social justice issues. I just, am, just in acting, right? You're just an just expert. In act, I'm an expert in acting. That is right. true. Got it. Um, <laughs> but much like yoga is a practice, one that requires us to commit and to continue to learn. Anti-racism is also a practice. So, I, you know, I am someone who has a passion for learning and that happens to fuel these two parts of my life that very much coincide. Yoga right. is a practice of being okay with being uncomfortable. And if anti-racism isn't also that, holy shit, it is really. And it is something that much like yoga I am going to fail at over and over and over. I am going to say the wrong thing. I might say the wrong thing in this podcast, but the the work for me is to acknowledge, okay, that was not the right alignment. How do yeah. I shift? What needs to engage? And where am I looking? What needs my attention so I can pull this thought into the correct alignment? And you know what? Day to day, sometimes that changes but it's always with the same intention that we're like hoping to strive for equity, you know, in our bodies with our balance and our yoga practice and in our culture and our communities with anti-racism. Yeah. It's not easy work. And I'm starting no. to you know, find out more and more and more that it's not only not easy work, it's really hard and super triggering. Very triggering. It's very ego challenging. It is not Instagrammable. It's not cute. And it does not, in my experience, speaking personally, it brings out the worst in me mm -hmm. in the best ways. It makes me, it makes me look at the things I've done in my past, the things I'm doing in my present and demands that I hold myself accountable because I know better. Mm, I love it's, that. It's sort of the, um, the curse of being aware. Right. Right you know, you know better. So how can you hold yourself to that standard? Right. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's not an easy thing to do, period. <laughs> no. 
And I think a lot of it comes from, um, there was a 1980s study done on listening and um, 60% of our communication is through listening, but we only retain 25% of what we hear. And that was in the 80s. So I would imagine it's way worse now. Because our attention spans are zero. Yes, right. So, you know, maybe if you're listening to this podcast, you think you're fully listening and committed, but you're also doing dishes. You're also walking the dog. You're also doing whatever that is. And it's like, how I find that as a yoga teacher, I have absolutely different ways that I listen to the people that I love and who I say I love you to versus my students versus my own body, right? We are constantly talk to about listening in yoga, listening to your breath, listening to your body, listening to our teachers. But why does it stop there? And why are we not also taught to listen to our communities and our community members who are suffering? Mm -hmm. Why are we not, why are we not encouraged through this process practice of yoga to listen there and to hold space for that? So I had called you this weekend uh, mm-hmm. because I <laughs> <laughs> I had Before lived my start this story. I just want to say that this is such a beautiful and perfect example of everything that I hope to see in our yoga teacher community going forward. Thank you. And, and it was sweet. hard, and it's gonna be. I can't like this is a messy story, and I'm gonna let you tell it. <laughs> 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 Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it was honestly, it was my biggest nightmare in action. It mm-hmm. totally was like the thing that I was just like, no, this can never have it's happening to me right yeah. now. Yeah. So set the so, stage. Where were you? So, you know, as Black Lives Matter has been going on and, you know, everything's been happening, I've been trying to really figure out, um, what am I going to do to, uh, to do my part in this? Mm -hmm. What am I going to do to, um, you know, how am I going to support? Yeah. And, and not only just like, you know, not do like white savior complex and be like, I got to go do everything, but like, what am I truly going to do to make myself a better person? You know? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I didn't feel comfortable going out to the rallies, um, as much, uh, mainly because of, you know, immune system stuff. And then, you know, and then I also didn't, you know, have a ton of cash to donate to places. And, you know, this is all external stuff, right? Not internal things. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, well, what I can do is I can volunteer my time and, you know, my expertise and support those that are going through, uh, you know, teacher trainings and things like that. And so I offered my time to a nonprofit that teaches uh, teacher trainings to, uh, to uh, the BIPOC community and or the BIPOC community. Um, for those of you that, yeah, some, some people are like, BIPOC, what's that? <laughs> yes. Black, indigenous, um, indigenous people, people of, of color. color. Yes. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, I am facilitating and helping really uh, in, in this training. And, you know, on, on day one of the training, this was last month, you know, I, I came in and, you know, I got into the Zoom room. And as I'm looking around, I noticed, oh, I'm the only guy in here. Oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I'm not only a guy in here, I'm a white presenting guy in here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like, uh-oh. And there are 37 other, you know, people of color. There are maybe one or two other uh, white women in there. And 
immediately I could feel my own insecurity. I could feel my own, um, you know, fragility start to come into play. And, you know, they're introducing some of the other people in the training and they're getting down to me. And I'm like, okay, well, I gotta, they gotta know that I'm gay and they gotta know that I'm Mexican. And like, if, if they know that I can come to the table and I'm all good. And like, it gives me a free pass and like, we're good. I should, I should be here, you know? And as that, even as that conversation was going on, what I realized was, I was like, oh, Danny, you're making it about you and this has nothing to do with you. You're just here to support. And so what you should do is just listen and speak when spoken to. End of story, you know? Yes. And and I actually got to the point where they, you know, they they introduced me and I was like, hi, I'm Danny. This is what I do. I'm really excited to be here. That was it. I just left it at that. Great. And I, su- I supported, you know, the entire weekend and I was convinced in my own mind that I bombed, you know, and it was one of the weekends where I had, you know, I bought all the books. I read, I watched all the documentaries. I gave myself a panic attack and, you know, I was like, oh my God, I've been a terrible you know, ally to everybody, including my own queer community, you know, just, you know, trying to fix everything overnight as, mm-hmm. you know, a deeply feeling person would. Um, and so, you know, I've been putting in my work in that regard and, and reading and, you know, all that stuff that goes back there. Right. And, yes. you know, this, this last session where we got to hang out together, you know, I had facilitated a class and, you know, I was going on a break to go teach another class. And as I came back later on from my, my own personal break, they were already back in discussion. And as I came into the discussion, I heard the word triggering. I heard the context to he and I heard, you know, a couple things regarding, you know, black women in their bodies and, you know, sexualizing things. And I was like, whoever he is, please do not let it be me. Yeah. Whoever, <laughs> whoever these group of women are talking about that feel triggered by me. this man, please yeah. don't let it be me. Yes. Do not let it be me. It could be anybody else except me. Yes. So I'm listening and I'm listening and I'm listening. And sure enough, it's me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to get the context of like, so what's going on and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, finally the, the lead is like, well, you know, Danny's obviously we all know Danny's here now and let's, you know, let's, let's tie him in and give him an opportunity to speak. And, you know, they had said, you know, uh, uh, you know, she said, Danny, you know, some of the women were triggered in here by one of the cues that you had said. And she said, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was in chair pose and it was talking about stop, you know, stop dropping it like it's hot and, and it's, it's Saturday morning. So pull it, pull it in you know, and that was offensive, that was sexualized, that was racist. And that was, you know, a few other experiences that were had in the room. Mm-hmm. And I sat there and I heard that. And as I heard that immediately, my defenses like wanted to come up. I was like, well, I didn't mean that to anybody. I say that all the time. Like, it's I hilarious. Think it's, I think my, it's funny. My students like it. Totally. Right? Like mm-hmm. every oh, single, yeah. every single thing in the book. And you know, again, it's processing in real time. I sat there and it was almost like there was this this discussion in my head that was like, well, what are we, what are we going to do here, Danny? How do you want to, how do you want to come into this? Mm -hmm. You know? And I just kind of, I didn't even think I just started to speak. And I said, you know, in the spirit of transparency, I'd, I'd like to share with everybody a couple of things. And I shared my experience on that first day. I said, I came in the first day and was like, I need to qualify who I am. I needed, they need to know that I'm gay. They need to know that I'm Mexican so that it's safe for me to be here too. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, and I, you know, I shared, I was like, but that was making it about me. And my job is to sit here and to listen. And then I continued on to say, you know, 39 people in that class had an experience. Some of you thought it was funny. Some of you thought it was offensive. Some of you didn't even hear it. 
Some of you are over this conversation right now. Some of you are hurting right now. And I don't want to take away from anyone's experience. If it was hurtful to you, it was hurtful to you, you know, and that's what's more important. If you felt something from it, if you felt triggered from it, that is a valid experience. You are in a space where you should feel safe, where you should feel supported and mm-hmm. you know, so, so on and so forth. And I said, I want to acknowledge that I'm the only white presenting man in the room and that I'm lucky and that I get to walk around in this shell very lucky. And that people that, you know, don't have, you know, the same parts and don't walk around the same skin color, like it's a lot harder. And I, and I shared again, I was just like, I read all the books, you know, and I gave myself a panic attack over one weekend and literally, you know, it was like, well, I grew up with my sister and my mom and turns out I suck to women. You know, I, you know, I grew up around, you know, a a big BIPOC, BIPOC community and I'm not really that great of an ally. And, you know, I'm a gay man walking around the world and I'm actually not that great of a, ga- a gay man ally to the queer community. And it was really hard. And it wasn't until recently where I had another conversation with a friend who said, Danny, here's the thing about racism. <laughs> You're going to fuck it up. You're mm-hmm. going to fuck it up a lot. You're going to fuck it up multiple times. And the only way that you're going to learn is when you fuck it up. And you have to give yourself the permission and the space to do it and to try and to try really hard and to educate yourself and to do it again until you get it. So you and that, can fail better. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. And, and then I just continued. I had said, you know, if what I had said hurt somebody, that's not okay. And unless, you know, we have these conversations, I won't know that. And I could continue hurting people, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not something I want to do. I don't want to walk around the world if, the, if this is hurting someone. Um, and I said, I also yoga fight it too. I was like, you know, and also yoga teaches us and reminds us that we have the agency of choice and inquiry. So if we're starting to jump on our emotions, if we're starting to let the chitta take over, we're kind of letting everything else win except for the yoga. So we pause, we inquire, we settle, we come in, and then we do whatever happens after that. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, uh, I think I continued saying something along the lines of, you know, like, I have to facilitate now for an hour and a half on anatomy, and I want to run, and I want to hide, I want to cry in my room, and I don't want to be here, and that's uh, not what's going to happen. I'm actually really yeah. passionate about what I'm doing. I'm passionate about being here. I'm going to teach you the best of my ability that I can. And that's what's going to happen next. Cause it's still not about me. And, and what was end, the class that you were going to teach right after that? Class? Uh, prog- progressions and regressions. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I just want to like reiterate for your audience, why I love this so much, because those of you who are really technical yogis who understand what progression to regression is, um, what Danny experienced was a regression in how in like someone took him and was like, let's pull back your teaching and yeah. look at what you're doing and where maybe we can make this a little easier right. and, and take you out of your comfort zone and like peel it back so that we can push forward better so that yeah. we can move further safer. Yeah. Because, yeah. I, you know, this idea you brought up this thing about, you know, safety in the safe place. And 
I think yoga, especially um, in the community I teach in, is so heavy on yoga safety for physical safety, mm-hmm. but so light on yoga safety for emotional safety. Right. And why are we not pausing and inquiring about the way we teach before we teach, you know? And this is right. something I've been thinking about a lot um, and why I appreciate your story so much because um, in my work to become not only a better ally uh, to uh, BIPOC, but also to our queer community, I've tried to rework my brain around taking out cues that gender certain anatomy because I have students who are non-binary and I have students who are trans and, and I don't want them to feel like I, if I say something like old school thought, like, well, tall men all have tight hamstrings. It's like, no, they don't. Right. And, and what if one of those tall men was a trans man or is a trans feet? Like, do you know what I mean? Like all these things are just like insensitivities and like my saying that doesn't help anyone. All lots of people have tight hamstrings, no matter their height. So it's like, how can we be better allies through just the vocabulary we teach with? Right. And this is hard work, especially, you know, to call back to, to your, um, your lesson is like, it was funny to you. It was working for your group. Right. But what does your group look like versus what does that group look like? Well, and also I don't need to sit there and be like, you know, like I even, you know, I think I said that in the conversation where I was like, let's like in the Castro, it's really funny, you know, in my community, it's yeah. really funny. Yeah. And, you know, that's also just putting a barrier around it being like, well, it's okay because. In my bubble. Know, yeah. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by the app called Fastic. You can start your journey free today with their app. You can follow popular fasting methods like the 16 to eight and become a fasting pro in no time. It's super easy with this app, Fasting. My favorite part of the app is that it's easy to manage and it's just super fun to use. There's a ton of nutrition plans with over 400 delicious meals and recipes. And again, like I said, it's all for free. So check it out on the app store. That's Fastic, F-A-S. T-I-C. This episode is brought to you by Real Paper, a tree-free toilet paper made 100% from bamboo. I absolutely love this product. It's eco-friendly, plastic-free, and helps reduce waste, period. I just want to reiterate that this paper has zero plastic, and more importantly, it's not packaged in any plastic. None. Uh, the cool thing is it's delivered to your doorstep on your personalized schedule, so whenever you need it, so you'll never run out. You can choose how often you want them to deliver, um, and every roll purchased helps uh, fund access to clean toilets for those in need all about it. Uh, use my coupon code DANNY to receive 25% off your first order at realpaper.com. Now, back to the show. And also, like, is it funny in your bubble because everyone accepts that that's okay. And maybe there is someone who's in your class who's uncomfortable by that, but doesn't want to feel ostracized. So laughs anyway, you know what I mean? There's all these things that I think about, not just about, you know, your comments, but about like how I comment on my classes as well. Um, how can I change the vocabulary around the cues I'm giving so that yoga can truly be more accessible? Right. You know, because all bodies should be welcome in yoga. But when I look at my classes, they're majority skinny white females. Right. Yeah. At least they they were for a long time. They've in the last 
two years has changed quite a lot as I've sort of changed the way I teach quite a lot. Um, and then on zoom, they can be, you know, now it's whatever it's God knows what's going to show up. Everything's going to show up. Someone who only wants to do handstands and someone who only wants to do child's pose is going to show up to my, (laughs) (laughs) and that's okay. You know, and that's what I'm teaching too, is, is that space. Um, but I think this is, I think this, I think this is what sparked my volume since June, as far as how loudly I am trying to speak about this, is that we are teaching a sacred practice from India of brown culture. You are white presenting. I am so white. And yet, most of our spaces are filled with white people. And it's like, how can we honor that we are? teaching something from brown culture, hopefully not terribly appropriated, but likely very appropriated to people that are in our entire community, not just our little bubble. How can we make that more inclusive? And I saw a lot of yoga teachers that I work with speaking out and saying Black Lives Matter. And I saw a lot not saying anything. And as much as I would love to meditate away racism, right, that is not going to happen, people. Right. What's your opinion on, you know, some people are doing the work and they're necessarily not doing it outwardly like on social media, but they're doing other areas of work like protesting and donating and volunteering and whatnot. Like we don't see that outwardly, right? So do you think there is a sense of over-policing? I do feel like there are ways to to see the work being done in the teaching. Do you know what I mean? I feel like there are, you know, whether you're posting it online a million times, like that's not everybody's forum, you know, like I'm not a Facebook or a Twitter person. So like if someone doesn't, if someone looks at those forums with my name, they may not see how active I am until they go to my Instagram. That's just like where I feel I can get my voice across the loudest. But if you take my class, you understand that I'm teaching to a broader audience and I'm not just teaching to skinny white Lululemon. You know what I mean? So I feel like there's, there's probably more over policing um, within uh, liberal communities for sure. But I will, what I feel mostly is that when the allyship turns to policing, we've lost the goal. Like if you, if you're trying to turn someone's opinion on becoming an ally and maybe they've talked to you about it, but they're not posting something. If you're trying to get them to post something to like prove it, but they already feel they are doing the work and maybe they are quietly reading a book, like they're, let them do the work on their own. It's, what's more interesting to me is like, okay, well, where are your friends who have not engaged with you about this? Right. And can you see what they're feeling about it? And I dare you to have a really uncomfortable conversation about, you know, for your friend who said all lives matter for your friend, who's not saying anything and just check in. And it can be from a place of love and it can be from a place of empathy. You know, I get a lot of, um, 
shit on my page sometimes for having people come like, I don't have white privilege. Ashley doesn't have white privilege. And like, they'll go down and I'll, and I'll engage with them and I'll ask them questions. And people are like, why are you engaging with this person? You're not going to change their mind. And I'm like, maybe I'm not going to change their mind, but what if for a flicker of a moment, they think about it? Right. That's a win to me. Right. If, if I can, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, not going to change the way they live their life through Instagram at all. But if there's a flicker of like, wait a minute, that is a white privilege that I experience. Like she said, at, even if it's just for that moment, I'll take it. It's worth it to me to be, to like humble myself down to, to have that moment. And listen, it's not easy, especially when you get really aggressive people. <laughs> yeah. People are, yeah. People can get really aggressive. Yes. But, um, you know, it's a choice and it's not for everyone. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't feel comfortable teaching yoga in white silence. I don't, I don't, I don't think that I can speak from a place of integrity if I am not doing the work. Right. I know that there are some people out there that are, you know, they're still working through their own process, which is fine. And they may be a little scared or don't know where to start on speaking up or being more involved. And, you know, based on what you've done and based on what you've, you know, educated yourself on, Ashley, what are some, what are some ways that people can really, you know, step into allyship and, and mm. how can, how can, you know, white yogis, you know, specifically do better in, in where we're at? Oh, I love this question so much. Um, Cause this can be so small. This can be so small. Uh, one of the first things I did when I started to notice the lack of uh, vocalness in the yoga community for BLM was I started just like I went through all of the yogis that I follow on social media and I noticed mainly white women. And I was just like, let me change this. Let me change this so that the people that I follow are more represented. Let me let me see some more color in here. Let me see some different sizes in here. Let me see queer BIPOC non-skinny teachers um, and let me follow them and see what they're saying. And if that's your only step, you're going to hear different voices. You're going to get opinions that you'd not thought about. You're going to hear experiences that you've never understood. That's a super tiny thing you can do that takes 10 minutes of like a little investigation that will give you a little bit of a broader scope of what's going on. But on top of that, you know, um, are what, well, who are your teachers? Do you take the same teacher every time? Could you take someone who doesn't look like you? Could you take someone for, you know, the, the blessing of the zoom classes now is you could take class anywhere, you know, uh, you could take class with, teacher who just finished their teacher training, who maybe isn't a great teacher yet, but is trying. Why not? Or you could take a teacher that's like a master level, who's like living in India, doing the, doing all of the things that we would call yogic, but we get stuck in these patterns, right? These, uh, samskaras, this is the, this is the like behavioral training. You can't, when you've already carved the path down the road of like, I take this teacher's class every Thursday at this time. And that's what I do. 
<laughs> what are you learning? Right. So if you start to veer off that road, especially if it makes you uncomfortable, oh my God, do it. Yeah. Do it, do it. Do you see the landscape to, of yoga changing in regards to more uh, equality in yoga? Do I see it? Um, I see that larger yoga companies and corporations are reaching for it. And it is most, mostly what I am seeing is not a disingenuine reach. So that is exciting. Um, in my community personally, I, you know, I teach in West Hollywood, so I have I have a large queer community there. Hey. Hey. <laughs> um, and, you know, we look like every color of the rainbow and all different shapes and sizes. So that's um, exciting to me. But I will also say that I did not see that demographic show up for me until I started posting publicly that I am queer. Mm. So I do feel like where you see teachers that have voices that are different than yours um, amplify, right. Amplify, encourage, support, be there for them. Um, I, I feel like there is a big push, especially right now, because we're kind of stuck at home where all of us are feeling this like rage. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just talking to a student of mine who is this incredible, fantastic Indian yogi, who used to play sitar for my classes. He's a musician. He's an actor. He's a father. Um, and he was saying how, you know, yoga right now could be such a huge support to this movement. It really, truly could. I mean, Virabhadrasana, warrior pose, the story of, of, of that pose is a story about channeling pure rage and anger into heroism. And our Americans have a lot of rage <laughs> right now. <laughs> totally. We have a lot of rage and we could use these warrior poses, you know, to sort of symbolize and move this energy around. Um, and, you know, we were talking about it and I said, my concern is this idea of meditating on it that it's not going to result in outward action or in inward awareness of microaggressions or obvious acts of racism in yoga studios and yoga culture. And I, and I was like, you know, how do we make this practical? Right. How do we actually make it a thing? How do we make it a thing? Right. And he said, it's the teacher. The teacher is the example. And this is where I feel a tremendous sense of responsibility not only for the physical safety of the student, for the teaching, for all of this, but also as, you know, we are put into these positions of leaders in our communities, whether we ask for them or not. If you're just like, I just want to teach yoga, boom, guess what? You're a leader in your communities. Hate to break it to you. <laughs> People are going <laughs> to listen to you. Maybe you didn't sign up for that. That's what's going to happen. Um, but the teachers being the examples, being vulnerable, sharing these stories like you just shared yours and sharing the lesson but explaining the difference that, yeah, yes, you can hear my example and you can hear that, I, that I'm trying to learn this lesson and you can hold me to it, but can you hold yourself to it also? You know, can you, because can the community hold each other accountable to be better? Right. Yeah. 
there's a lot of work and there's so many different ways to do it. Mm. And I don't think there's a right or wrong way to start it. You know, I think that, uh, you know, obviously don't burden anyone else with, with your education. Yeah. Well, it's the same as like religion, right? Like be religious for yourself because that's who benefits from you being religious. Be anti-racist for yourself because you benefit from being anti-racist. You do not benefit from having racist thoughts. And there is no, you know, um, there's an incredible book called how to be an anti-racist nice and easy. It's dense, but it's fucking great book. Um, (laughs) But Ibram Kendi talks about how there is no non-racist, you know, you either hate or you're fighting against hate. There's no apathy. There's no in between. It is, it is either you have a thought that is racist or you have a thought that is not racist being anti-racist against racism. Um, And that's, you know, that's the work is like, we're all going to have racist thoughts, all of us. And how do we shift and bring awareness to like, Oh, that thing I thought was racist that, okay. Thank working on not saying those things, pulling back on the microaggressions, pulling back on that. How can I shift my, my thinking? How can I shift my perspective to be anti-racist? You know, there's a, um, one of the front desk girls at the studio I worked at, um, confided in me that some of our black students at one point felt very uncomfortable in my class because a white student had asked to touch her hair, which seems so small and simple unless you are a black woman. And in which case at this point in the podcast, you are enraged and you want to flip a table. Um, because this is an, this is like a microaggression that happens all of the time to black women. And I was so sad that I didn't see this happen. Right. Um, but I don't know, this was like a year ago. I don't know that I would have had the courage as a teacher then to have stood up for that student. And now I, I, I hope that I would have the courage in me to say like, Hey, so that's not okay. That is a, that is a racist question and behavior. And we're not going to go down that road. We're going to stay over here. You know, how do you handle these moments with grace? And, and that, that I'm genuinely asking that, how do we handle these moments of grace? I don't always know. (laughs) We need need a manual on all this. (laughs) There's no good handbook for this stuff at all. It is truly being like listening better listening better to our students who are BIPOC, who are not super skinny, who are, you know, even um, just the spaces that we practice yoga in. The changing rooms in my studio are way too small for a plus size person to change in. They're just too small. Um, the clothing that we sell, do we, we sell a ton of extra small stuff, but do we sell any extra large stuff? Do we sell any men's stuff? Do we sell any like um, sort of generic non-binary clothing? No. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm, almost, I'm almost inspired by this moment of pause for us to not be able to teach in person so that we could really, like, it's my hope, and maybe this is overly hopeful, but that the 
studio owners and the studio leaders take this time where we can't be in person to reevaluate what we are putting out there in this wellness industry that is ripe with elitist, white, skinny, rich thought, right? Right. Could we put into these spaces true equity in how we present them? Not just for skinny people, not just for white people. How could those shifts start to happen? And it is an undertaking, but it is totally worth it. Because I'm sure, you know, you feel the same as me and, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but yoga has transformed me as a person into such a better human. And, and I did a lot of work to get here and I'm going to continue to do a lot of work, but I should not feel like I, let me rephrase that. I, I want everyone to have that opportunity, not just people who look like me. Yeah, I would say the same. I'd say yoga really has given me, you know, an opportunity to to shift and change. And I think that without it, I may not have gotten to the point where I was able to call you and have a conversation, you know, and even be where I'm at in this conversation. My podcast is very different right now. It has been yeah. for a little while since Corona started and yeah. I feel okay with it. I'm not just bringing on, you know, all these giant yoga teachers who are awesome. Don't not taking away from that because they are awesome and I love having them on the show. But I'm having these normal conversations with you know we, we'll call us everyday people and I don't know for me it's just been a lot more real. It's been a lot more. I mean, I'm growing with everyone to get like right now in this moment. I am mm-hmm. literally growing with everyone together, and I hope that you know those listening to the podcast right now get to do the same in this strange time to be alive. And, uh, you know, this kind of just goes without saying, Ashley, but, you know, I'll, I'll say this out loud. I, I just want to say thank you again for, for showing up and doing your work, but also holding the space for me this past weekend to do my work and to process in real time and uh, to, to relate and to be there because it's, you know, it's very hard when you feel like you're going through it on your own. Oh, my God. Yes. And like nobody likes fucking up. No one likes <laughs> making mistakes yeah. and especially around things like race and especially when you are someone who considers themselves an ally it feels it's 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 like a such a complicated overwhelming feeling yucky. and i'm also oh it's so yucky and i'm so proud of you for also not calling a black friend and like yeah. dumping this on them do you know what i mean because right. that's also really like i want to be validated by someone who looks like the person who told me i did the bad thing and it's like mm, uh, there's other ways, right? There's other ways to not burden people with that. And, um, I think the biggest lesson for me, especially in the last two months, at, uh, is it still August? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> last, whatever time is, <laughs> yeah. um, I've been that, uh, I've been working, um, with uh, white people for Black Lives Matter for a few years now. And and the, the best lesson I've learned and the one that I'm seeing the most uh, still needs to be learned over and over again for me and for my friends is um, whenever I feel like I have, my opinion has changed or I want to post something or I have this thing I want to say uh, in support, 
I now have a system where I will call someone who has been doing this allyship work longer than me. Right. And I say, Hey, I was thinking about this is what is this? Can you talk me through this? And we will sort of bounce the ideas off of each other before I say my post before I run my mouth, whatever the thing is so that I am a not burdening a person of color with this information because they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been living it catch up. Um, and B so that I make sure that I am taking everyone into accountability when I speak, because so often, um, and you know, you and I are fiery people. A little um, bit. When we get uh, worked up, it's like right from the right from the throat. It's not from the brain. It's just like I need to correct you or whatever the thing is. It's like a thoughtless, just like nope. This is this needs to change. This is injustice. This is wrong. And it's like that may be true, but how am I communicating this? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And what's the intention? Is the delivery going to be helpful or not? Right. Am I going to hurt someone accidentally while I'm trying to stand up for someone else? Like, what is the, how do we, how do we phrase this? Well, Ashley, I, again, I just want to say thanks a lot for doing your work and for showing up and just sharing with all of us. I'm sure this has been super informative to someone that has been doing this work and someone that may be new to stepping into this work. Um, there's a lot of really good, you know, nuggets in here, even, you know, something as simple as looking at who you're following is a great place to start. Yeah. So, uh, and it's fun. <laughs> yeah. There's some incredible yogis out there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. I just, uh, yeah, I just thank you for doing what you're doing and keeping, keeping me inspired to do what I'm doing. And yeah, thanks for sharing your wisdom with us on the show today. And thank you. And thank you for your courage to tell that yucky story. And I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Until the next Seeker and Sage, this is Ashley and Danny saying peace out. Peace out. Peace out.